0: To think about today belief and trust and faith awesome we're going to be in Romans 10 today I do want to let you know up front um, if you need to go the bathroom go now because at the end of the service we're going to be having a deacon ordination time for Chris Atencio you will not want to miss that so you know I'd rather you go out during my time than that time but we're gonna take a look at uh, Romans chapter 10 I've entitled the sermon today, Hearing the Gospel, because that's what the scripture speaks about, about hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, Donald Barnhouse, a, a name from the past, shared a story one time about a young man. He applied for a job with Western Union delivering telegrams. Now, it's a dated illustration because some of you don't know what Western Union, anybody ever heard of Western Union? Have any of you ever heard of a telegram? Oh wow, some of the young folks. Have any of you ever received a telegram? I have not, all right, good to know. That's kind of before the World Wide Web, you youngsters out there, okay, and all that. But uh, this young man applied for, that's a good job, Western Union uh, delivering telegrams. And fortunately a position was available, and the manager wanted to know if the young man could start right away. The, uh, in- the interview went fantastic. And the young man replied to the manager, something very unique, he said, there is one thing I must warn you about before I get started. I am psychologically wired that I cannot stand any hint of unhappiness. I'm only willing to deliver good news telegrams. You know, birth announcements, congratulations, financial windfalls, promotions, acceptance of marriage, all those I will deliver, but sickness and death and failure and all that, that's contrary to my nature, I just won't deliver them. Well, you can probably guess what happened. The manager replied quickly, I guess I'm still looking for someone else because this job requires that you also announce bad news. I remember a movie one time entitled The Bad News Bears. That was like a comedy and funny. That's not what we're talking about exactly. But what I do want you to know, such it is with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There, of course, is good news. We even call it that, don't we? Sometimes we don't say the gospel. We say what? The good news. But guess what? There's also bad news. And Adrian Rogers, one of my all-time favorite preachers from the past, said it succinctly this way. I love it. I want you to really think about this for a minute. It's the bad news. I can't talk like, if I wish I could do his voice. Some of you have heard him. It's the bad news that makes the good news good. Think about it for a minute. There's no need for good news unless there's what? Bad news. It's the bad news that makes the good news good. The theme of this book, Romans, is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The good news is the power of God for salvation. The theme, it's right there in Romans 1.16. We see it right away. And early on in the book of Romans, we read some bad news. It says, all have what? Sin. So look at the person next to you and say, you dirty, rotten sinner. Go ahead and do it. Maybe leave the rotten out, but you know, right? Right? I don't understand churches in our city, in our country, that don't ever say anything about sin and the need to be saved. It's just crazy to me. So we get that bad news, but then all of a sudden the good news comes because then in the book of Romans it turns right around and says, but all can be justified. Wow. That's great news. And then in 6, 7, and 8, Paul announces how this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ sets the believer free from sin and the law and releases the believer into a new life in the spirit. Good news, good news. But then in 9 and 10 and 11, there's bad news, good news is the pattern. Bad news, good news. Bad news, good news. Israel, for the most part, is unbelieving. And in chapter 10, where we are today, Paul transitions from their past to their present. And Paul delivers bad news, as we'll see, along with some really, really, really good news. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify about them, that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, because they disregard the righteousness from God and attempted to establish, check this out, their own righteousness. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Right now, we could just drop the mic, couldn't we? could shut the book and set it down. Did you catch that? Did you catch verse 4? Isn't that amazing? Verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. Many of you know this verse. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, one confesses, resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says, no one who believes in on him will be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Look at this. Since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Another place we can close the book up and set it down, but let's keep going. Look at verse 14. But, do you see that? Do you ever pay attention to the but? Yeah, that didn't come out right, sorry. (laughs) The written word, B-U-T, all right. But how can they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about Him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Amen. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how welcome, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things, the good news. And then look at verse 16. But all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Let's pray. Lord, we ask if you'd speak to us today. We ask that people would believe today. Lord, we ask that we would be open and receptive to what it means to preach the good news. In Jesus' name I pray. So let's—we got a lot of verses to do and a lot of points. A couple of them are going to be fast. Don't worry. You're, you're looking at your sermon notes and going, "We're here all day. We'll make it. We'll make it." When well, we we'll look at the first three verses, and Paul really is writing, and he talks about desire and error. There's this desire he has, but there's also error. Our passage begins by showing something. It's a tragic mistake of Israel, and it proclaims the great danger of missing. Listen, of missing God's righteousness by establishing their own righteousness. Do you think that might happen today as well? People miss God's righteousness because they are busy establishing their own righteousness. And so he begins by talking about his heart's desire. The word desire is an interesting word. It means longing, willing, yearning. It even means craving. So Paul here craved. Paul yearned. Can you see it in the the words there? He yearned, he craved to see the salvation of his people. Paul remembered when he was Saul, didn't he? He remembered he persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. He was pedigreed. He was a Jew of all Jews, as we're talking about the religious establishment. And he craved that people would come out of that, that his people would receive salvation. He prayed. That means, that word means to pray. (laughs) But it means more than that. It means to want It even can mean to beg. He's pleading for Israel's salvation. And here's the interesting point. They they could be saved. Their rejection of Jesus was not hopeless. The door of salvation was open to them, just as it is open to all people today. But note that they made a big error in verses 1 through 3. Verse 2, it says, the Jew, we see about zeal. The Jews' zeal for God. Isn't that interesting? Not zeal for money or stuff or power, but their zeal for God was not characterized by a complete knowledge. That word knowledge means full or correct, vital, experiential knowledge. This has not happened in their life. What they had was a partial, insufficient knowledge. And let me just stop there for a moment. If you're banking on knowing about God, good luck. If your eternity, your life, is banking on how much I can know about God, good luck. You better know God. You better have a relationship with God. You better have a relationship with Jesus. I don't care what church you go to, what family you come from, when you were baptized, what decade it was. Any of that stuff. Listen. Listen. We better know more than just know about God. I have met a lot of people that know a lot about God, maybe even more than me. I'm okay with that. But you know what? Some of them don't know God. This experiential knowledge, this vital, correct, full knowledge, they don't have that relationship with Him. You see, and this was their error. It led them off course to the method whereby they could receive salvation. And so the scripture goes on to say they missed the righteousness of God. Well, what is the righteousness of God? It is simply this. It's revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And the scripture goes on to say they formed their own righteousness. Well, what does that mean? We know from studying that they had their own rituals, did they not? They had their ceremonies, their laws. They invented a lot of laws, and they had works, 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 works. Let me tell you something today. Zeal is a good thing, but zeal is not enough. Zeal is not enough to get someone across the threshold of death and then across to new life in Christ. Zeal is not enough. Many people are zealous today about religion. Many people are zealous about other things, but zeal alone does not make it right, especially in the matter of our salvation. Well, how can we know this? We can go all the way back to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12, where we read, there is a way that seems right to a man. That's zeal, right? You ever step through a way that seems right? Man, you plow right through, right, don't you? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death there was no submission to God's way which by the way today is a hallmark of our world no submission to God's way so there's desire and error point number two we look at verses four and we'll go all the way through the first part of eight okay that's kind of bad news is there any good news there sure is The question I ask on point number two is, who provides salvation? And the simple answer is one word. You ready? Jesus. Look at what the scripture says there. It says that Jesus put an end. Did you see the word end there? It's telos. It means to complete, perfect, to finish. It has a twofold meaning. It means fulfillment, but it also means, not that it needs to be fulfilled again. It also means finality. Jesus puts an end to people having to seek righteousness through the law believers that's us today her believers guys that is good news are you with me just think about how it used to be think about how it is today we no longer must work to be acceptable to God did you know that some of you are resisting Christ because you don't think you're acceptable guess what none of us are we don't have to be acceptable we accept salvation that comes from jesus we no longer must live under the enslaving power of sin we can be redeemed we no longer must live under the weight the pressure of failing of being unworthy aren't you tired of that isn't it great to admit I'm a failure? I am unworthy, but I am saved by my worthy Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior and my Lord. Listen, we don't have to be lonely anymore. We don't have to be alienated from God anymore. We now can be set free. Why? Because who provides salvation? It's Jesus through his life, death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we now can have assurance. And confidence in Jesus how can this be through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and then in your Bible if you have uh, like I do bold print it shows um, that there's quotations from Old Testament that's what the boldface means Paul applies the words of Moses he reminds us of a few things it I mean it's pretty obvious Paul Paul would have been a good lawyer you know he really would have been he says listen these folks we don't have to ascend into heaven to discover salvation which by the way is impossible why jesus came down to earth with salvation in addition we we should not search the depths the abyss for deliverance also impossible why because jesus has already descended into death right he died but then what happened then he resurrected this message of salvation through faith in the living Lord was proclaimed in their hearing, but scripture says they missed it. Listen, we could take these verses, uh, these, these verses right here, and put them together and say this Jesus has done it all. He's the one who provides salvation. And then we get to number three, the last part of verse eight. Through verse 9, very famous verse, and verse 10, when we see the statement of faith. The statement of faith. Look at the end of verse 8. This is the message or statement of faith that we proclaim. He's done talking to him about it, now he's proclaiming it. And it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. Here's the message of salvation through faith. Well, let's look at a couple words. The first word we need to look at is confess. Confess simply means this. It doesn't mean you're sorry for something. Confess here means to agree with God. Are you tracking with me? To speak the same as God about what about Jesus we agree with God we speak the same that God does about Jesus that he's the way the truth and life he's the savior now let me just stop for a minute this is a whole nother Bible study I don't have time for it there are some today who want to separate the Lordship of Christ from the servanthood Saviorhood excuse me of Christ I want to separate Lord and Savior and I would say to you, be careful. We can talk about this more, but be careful. The scripture is clear. It says Jesus is Lord, exclamation point. This idea of easy believism, this idea, well, you know, if I just kind of believe, I'm saved, but there's no Lord, master, boss, controller, that's crazy. Don't separate that. They go together. But notice something else about confess. It is this public use of words. There's no, I'm, I, I'm sorry to tell you this. There's no such thing as an undercover believer, an undercover Christian. This is why we must proclaim, we must profess, we must con- confess with our words to someone else or others that we have been saved, that Jesus is now Lord of our life. you you can't just do it in your closet at home and never tell anyone or no one ever knows. That's not what confess means. Well, let's move on. Confess what? Jesus is, say it with me, Jesus is? Lord. That didn't feel very good, did it? Jesus is? Oh, it's feeling better. One more time. Jesus is? Yes. It's a regal term. Don't look at the royal family in England right now. They're messing everything up sorry, sorry, Peter, you know, they're, they're, they're going, you know, they're just fighting and bickering. This is the ultimate Lord. It's the ultimate regal term. It signifies Jesus's power. It signifies his authority as God Lord. In fact, this title is so important that have you heard of the book of acts in the book of acts, Jesus is referred to as savior. Guess how many times two times he's referred to as lord 105 times oh well, it gets better in the new testament jesus is referred uh, as savior 24 times guess how many times in the new testament jesus is referred to as lord 711 times when the titles are mentioned together it is never never savior lord it is always lord is first lord jesus christ and i want to ask you something today Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he the master of your life? That doesn't mean that we never sin. It doesn't mean that we have good days and bad days. But is he Lord of our life? It should be evident that he is the controller of our life. Let me remind you back to the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember that? It's only been a certain amount of weeks. Matthew 6, 24. No one can be a slave of two masters since either he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Confess. What? Jesus is Lord. And here's another one. Do what? Believe. What does that mean? Believe in your heart is the phrase. And it, believe comes from the common Greek word pistis. It means to Believe. It means to have faith in. It means to trust. That's why we use those words when we talk to people about life with Jesus. Here also it's strong. It gives the idea of being firmly persuaded. Wow. Are you trusting? Are you, do you have faith in your heart? Do you have belief in your heart? But belief about what? That gets back to that zeal. God's holiness and justice, listen, here's what we need to believe in. God's holiness and justice were perfectly satisfied with Jesus taking on humanity's sin upon himself and bearing the punishment of that sin. God was completely and perfectly satisfied with Jesus taking on our sin. God was completely and perfectly satisfied with Jesus dying for us in our sin. Therefore, God raised him up from the dead. This is good news, amen? This is great news. This is the rescue plan being fulfilled. This is what God had planned. Romans 4.25 says this. He, talking about Jesus, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Ephesians 2.8, we know it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. and This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of god you see confession and belief are two aspects of one reality of salvation of regeneration where are you today listen i plead with you don't go another day nail it down nail it down don't look at rituals or ceremonies or human stuff but look at the scripture and nail it down Jesus must be Lord. We must place our, our faith, our trust, our belief in Him. Repent. Now let me say something else about that. In verses 11 through 13, we find the next point. Hear me, whether you're online or sitting right here today, salvation is for you and me. If you'll look over those verses again, you'll see that. No one's put to shame to believe. There's no distinction. Do you see it between Jew and Greek? Um, to his, uh, his hearers, the ones he's writing to, that's pretty much everybody. Okay, It says the, the, the Lord, he's Lord of all. He's rich to all who call upon him. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. It's powerful verses there. Listen, this is simple, this point. Let's move through it jesus is lord of all that's what the scripture says and salvation is available to all did you read that in your bible did you see that and there's no shame in this good news what does that mean there's no bad aftertaste in jesus being lord of all listen there's no disappointment in salvation now other things will disappoint us other things will cause us disillusionment but not this good news Here's another exclusive claim about Jesus Christ. Now, theology can be complex. Would you agree with that? Some of us spend our lives studying our Bibles. Some of you were studying your Bible before I discovered the planet. You've been at it a long time. Theology can be complex, but there's that word. Let me make it clear here and we are recording this so it'll be on the world wide web till Jesus comes back by the way I wonder what happens to the world that's a whole other story what what happens to the Internet I don't know let me make it clear for the sinner it is very simple to be saved simply believe in Jesus Christ now some of my friends say oh come on you're making a human work out of it no I'm not what do we mean we mean repent we mean we we choose to leave our way and run to Jesus and his way and we say forgive us we recognize he's the one who can forgive he's the one who can save he's the one who is Lord not us you see that that's what it says a person listen let me illustrate it this way a person does not have to understand everything about electricity to benefit benefit from it are you aware of electricity have you, any of you ever experienced it like I have? Zap. But listen, even if you know nothing about electricity, you can benefit from it. Why? What are you saying, Lamar? Anyone can turn on a light switch and have light. Where they under, you do not have to understand what is behind the light switch. You, you, you may never have changed the switch out. That's where the zapping can come in. You, you may not be an electrical engineer. It's okay. All you got to know is flip it or push it, right? And the light comes on. And you benefit. So it is with salvation. Listen to Acts 16.30 and the first part of 31. Acts 16.30 and 31. You'll remember the story. They're in jail and God shows up. And this is what we see. It's so bad the jailer, remember what he wants to do? He said, I'm going to get killed now because these prisoners are released. I'm just going to kill myself. Then the jailer escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a good question, isn't it? So they said, are you ready? These are the big dogs in prison. These are the guys that we see in Scripture. He, they said this, believe on the Lord Jesus. Notice Lord is first. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be say again not belief and it's some work that we do but that repentance turning to him for everything this is great news where are you today where are you today but I want to finish the passage with what I really want to emphasize today you're like well you've emphasized already some stuff yeah but I want to get to point five because this is crucial we can't separate this from Romans ten nine. Romans 10 13 we can't separate these verses from it and the point is this mission work in the neighborhood and the nations verses 14 through 17 I want to let you know that the printing of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God produces faith in the Lord it just does It just does. I don't know how or why exactly, but it just does. God works in it. God works in preaching, in witnessing. God works in the the printing of his word where people can hear it by reading it. Okay? God also uses other things. God can use gospel tracts, Christian literature. But especially God uses witnessing to reach people. That's why we have missionaries all across the globe, right? Guess where we're lacking missionaries, church? Don't say some closed country. (laughs) We know about it. Yes, there are still a bunch of unengaged, unreached people groups. Yes, there are still dialects that do not have God's Word. But I'm going to tell you, there are groups And missionaries working towards those efforts. But here's where we're missing missionaries. On your street. On my street. In our neighborhood. No one is going to send a missionary to your neighborhood. Now there may be a couple that show up at your door that say they're missionaries. Okay? Why is no one going to show up? Because God has planted you and me in our zip code and even more than that, in our neighborhood. Hear me. Note that those, according to these, these questions here, which are rhetorical, they're answered. I mean, Note, though, that those who preach the gospel, those who witness about the gospel, have beautiful feet. The word beautiful means a time of full bloom, development. To come at the right time it's coming are you aware i keep telling myself i got to trim the rose bushes come on we're running out of time i planted some bulbs tulip bulbs for lynn guess what i discovered yesterday all i was trying to do is take things to the recycle bin you know and i looked down at this patch and three little things were poking up through the soil i'm like how can this be there's snow you know what's going to happen don't you the tulips are going to come up So think about beautiful. It's a time of full bloom development. It comes at the right time. Church, please take hold of this truth. Please believe it. Don't just know about it, but believe it. When we share the gospel with others, we are sharing something that is right on time. And it's beautiful. Every time. Regardless of whether we're rejected, regardless of whether we're accepted, regardless of whether it's a 10-second conversation or it's a weeks-long conversation, it is always right on time and beautiful. And the sad truth is the vast majority of professing Christians never tell others about Christ. Let us not be this statistic. Let us be the missionary, the only missionary that's going into our neighborhood. Now, notice the progression of these questions quickly. I'm not going to read them again, but they're self-explanatory, and it's clear. If you look at them, and you take time to break them down, maybe write them out, as I have done, and you'll see the progression. But it's clear, a person needs to hear the good news to know enough to be saved or how to be saved. I don't understand how that works, God, but that's what it says. This is why we must go into our neighborhoods and into the nations of the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what I would say about that. For whatever reason, God chooses to use us. Preachers. It doesn't just mean someone who stands up here on Sunday mornings. It means witnesses. we, We all... Every time we witness about the good news of Jesus Christ, our testimony, uh, these verses, other things, just talking about Jesus being Lord, all these kind of things. Every time we do that, we are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. We are witnesses to it. And people need to hear that. And there's a celebratory biblical term for that. It's woohoo! God can use you and me it's amazing first corinthians 121 listen to this for since in god's wisdom the world did not know god through wisdom god was pleased to save those who believe are you ready through the foolishness of the message preached it doesn't even have to make sense it's the good news and we get to do it well what do we preach What do we get witness to? Go on in 1 Corinthians 1, the first part of 23. Paul makes it clear. But we preach Christ crucified. It's the good news. It's the gospel. Jesus is the only way. Now, two words are used here about preach in this section of Scripture. One means simply a herald. A herald who lifts up his or her voice. a, a, A proclaimer of the message. But also, there's another part that comes from a word that means evangelism. You've heard of that word? We use it sometimes. It's translated from the same word that indicates to bring glad tidings. Listen, it's not just bringing a message. It's not just being a herald or a representative. It is being a herald of a representative that brings glad tidings. What glad tidings? It's not just a Christmas song, glad tidings, that Jesus saves and Jesus is Lord. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray this, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. To do what? To preach, to witness, to share. Let me close in this way today. We're not quite done but look at verse 16. You're wondering why we didn't finish with 17, which is a famous verse because we don't have time, but also because I want to finish with verse 16. Look at it. What does it basically say to us? Few had believed. Is that not true today? It says not all. Now that's a litotes, which is a literary terms. Some of you are looking that up right now on your phones. L-I-T-O-T-E-S. I didn't make it up. It's a negation of an opposite. What, he's, what it really means is very few. And that reminds me, do you remember the parable? Uh, some of you call it the sower. I call it the parable of the four soils. Do you remember that? Do you remember the gospel went out into people's hearts and lives? And we know that there are those who are hard bounces right off there were those who were shallow didn't work there were those that it looked like it was going to work but they were choked by the world by the world's power by the world's wealth but remember the fourth kind of soil there were those who were saved and produce fruit god's fruit amen It says, it gives the numbers in there. It's unbelievable. That is why people must hear the gospel, the good news. That is why we must be missionaries. That is why we must be preachers, witnesses, because there are some who, guess what? They're ready. They're waiting. The soil of their life is waiting, and they will be saved and will produce good fruit. What does that mean? We make disciples. They'll go on and do the same thing. And then they'll go on and do the same thing. And then someone else will. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5.14. For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. Are you compelled? Am I compelled? Are we compelled? Someone once said this. On the great clock of time, there is only one word. Have you ever heard of the great clock of time there's one word now no numbers there's no yesterday or tomorrow it's simply now now that's a throwaway statement but it's true now the scripture says now is the time for salvation now is the time to share the good news where are you today let me ask you three questions and then we pray If passion is contagious, would you agree with that? Passion is usually contagious, right? Come to my house, you're going to be a Bronco fan before you can get out the door. Well, maybe not. But passion is usually contagious. If passion is contagious, how likely are those I lead to be infected with the passion for winning the lost? Wow. You may say, well, I don't lead people. Okay. Here's another question. Is there anyone whom I have concluded is beyond being saved? Remember the passage we just looked at. And number three, this hits us all, whether we're leaders or not. Do I see my daily activities as opportunities to deliver the gospel to those who may not yet have Let's pray. God, speak to us this morning. God, I pray for the power of salvation to be here, to be online. I pray that today would be a day of salvation, that those would would turn and repent and run to you. God, I pray for that. I pray for us to be missionaries. He just said that people need to hear the good news. Help us to do it. It's beautiful. God, we just ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.